Well, we've come to the last in my series of sermons on the Holy Spirit. The first sermon focused on showing that God's Spirit was present and active throughout the Old Testament, and also that the Spirit was mightily associated with Jesus' arrival and ministry on earth. Last week, we celebrated Pentecost, the gift of the Holy Spirit to the disciples after Jesus left the earth and was no longer there to guide them. And we looked at some ways that the Spirit was active in guiding the ministry of those disciples. So today, we will focus on some of Paul's message to the churches and how we are supposed to live as believers in the Spirit. The Apostle Paul talked a lot about the Spirit in his letters and created several lists of gifts and workings and fruit of the Spirit. And so I've picked a few of those passages to read to you today. The first one comes from chapter 12 of 1 Corinthians, starting at verse 4. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in every one it is the same God at work. Now to each one the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom. To another a message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another faith by the same Spirit. To another gifts of healing by that one Spirit. To another miraculous powers. To another prophecy. To another distinguishing between Spirits to another speaking in different kinds of tongues, and to still another the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of one and the same Spirit, and he distributes them to each one just as he determines. Now skipping down to verse 27 in chapter 12. Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. And God, has pla- and God has placed in the church, first of all, apostles, second, prophets, third, teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, of helping, of guidance, and of different kinds of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all have gifts of healing? Do all speak in tongues? Do all interpret? Now eagerly desire the greater gifts. And another list in Galatians chapter 5, starting at verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. So as we can see, Paul's writings contain lists about gifts of the Spirit. 
Now, when we read Paul's letters, we must keep in mind that Paul was tailoring his message to issues at a particular church. But that doesn't mean that there aren't lessons for us. And so Paul begins the list from 1 Corinthians chapter 12 by reminding his readers that there are not only different gifts, but there are different kinds of service and different kinds of working. And it is the same Spirit, the same Lord, the same God at work in all. And equally important, Paul says that whatever the Spirit gives to an individual person, it's always for the common good of the Christian community. All right, so we had nine gifts in that first list from chapter 12 of 1 Corinthians. Wisdom, knowledge, faith, healing, powers, prophecy, distinguishing spirits, speaking in tongues, and interpreting tongues. Some of those gifts seems like things that every believer should have. And maybe to some extent that's true, while other gifts appear more special or unusual. But always the gifts are given not to give a person a higher spiritual status, but to be used to enrich the community. So first we had a message of wisdom. Now, to me, wisdom and knowledge have some similarities, but usually in wisdom, there's a measure of experience or discernment, and the wisdom of the Spirit might help a person know how to respond to people in a variety of situations, even crisis situations, to be able to come up with that word of comfort or that word of hope that they need to hear. Then there's the message of knowledge. And the commentaries say they don't really know what Paul meant by that, but I would guess that Paul wasn't referring to people who are really good at memorizing scripture and know all the books of the Bible and know what's in each one of them. Perhaps Paul instead was referring to people who are able to gain a very deep and personal knowledge of God. And then that's reflected in the holiness of the life that they lead. Another gift was faith. And that's one of those for sure we'd say everybody who's a Christian has faith, the saving faith of believing in Christ. But Paul is probably referring to that deeper level of faith that would give somebody the ability to trust God in even the most difficult of situations when the odds are stacked against them. Or or it's that faith that gives somebody the endurance to pray day after day after day for a person or an event, or something, something, some issue in the world, and they might need to be praying for year after year. Or it could be the faith that allows somebody to act with confidence that a prayer that they have lifted up is already in the process of being answered. An example of faith from Scripture would be Noah building that ark. Then there's gifts of healing. 
Now, Jesus was known for his ability to heal, especially early in his ministry. And if you think about it, many times his healings were both physical and spiritual. He would say, your sins are forgiven, your faith has made you whole, as somebody's leprosy or lameness disappeared. But those healings served another purpose, because they brought the crowds to hear Jesus speak. And Jesus found a way to balance the time spent in healing with the time spent in preaching and teaching to the crowds. The ability to heal continued with the disciples. So in Acts chapter 3, it tells us that, Paul, that Peter healed a lame man, and in chapter 9, he healed a paralyzed man. In between, it reports that all of the disciples were able to heal. Of all the gifts, healing might be the one that we would ask, why wouldn't God just heal everyone? I was thinking of several movies that are about somebody who has a gift of healing. And usually the movie starts out um, maybe kind of by chance. Something happens and the person heals. And that first healing is amazing, wonderful. And the recipient or their family is so thankful. But then gradually news starts to get out. And people start converging on the healer, lining up to be healed, even demanding to be healed, without any thought for the time spent and the interruption to the life of the healer. And usually the message is that the healing has a cost to the healer. They either drain energy from them or cause a painful problem like bad headaches. If you think about it, If everyone were to be healed, there would be no need for doctors or nurses, hospitals or medical clinics, rehab centers, pharmacies, all those related things. And the natural progression of life and disease and maybe even death would be interrupted. No, this gift of healing is to remind people of God's awesome power and to point the way to God's saving grace. Then there's miraculous powers, or in some translations it's just extra powers. There are two instances in Scripture of prison doors opening to release Peter and also Paul. In other parts of history, think about how Martin Luther changed the course of religious history and how Martin Luther King Jr. changed the tide of discrimination and segregation in our country. Perhaps exorcisms fall in this category. We know that Jesus cast out a number of evil spirits. Another gift is prophecy. I found it really interesting that prophecy is delivered by both men and women, and Paul reports this. So in Acts... When the group is at Caesarea, Paul's group comes to the house of Philip, the evangelist, and it says very matter-of-factly that he had four daughters with the gift of prophecy. In 1 Corinthians chapter 11, Paul is giving some instruction to women who pray or prophesy. So again, just as if it's expected. 
Some of these gifts are subject to abuse because how do we know if it's the Holy Spirit or another kind of spirit? How do we know if the prophecy is from God when the person says, and God said? So we should always be looking for a little bit of discernment in ourselves to ask questions like, does this person acknowledge Jesus Christ as their Savior? Do they live holy and godly lives? Is their message in line with what Scripture says? Another gift is distinguishing between spirits. We know, we already mentioned, um, as far as exorcisms, that Jesus dealt with evil spirits or demonic spirits. And there are groups today that are quite aware of those types of spirits. And so it may be that that's a gift that some churches need. Then there's speaking in tongues and interpreting tongues. And notice that Paul has put them at the end of this list. And that was partly because this was one of the things that he was concerned about at that church in Corinth, that they had people speaking in tongues who were raising themselves up saying, somehow I'm at a higher spiritual level because I have this gift. Paul admits that he has the gift of speaking in tongues, but it's a gift more meant for personal use. It's a gift that adds another dimension to a person's prayer life in their harmony with God. But it's directed to God, and so therefore not the best to use in worship unless there's somebody present who can interpret. When we read lists like this, we tend to focus a lot on the spiritual gifts of the individuals. But we should remember that Paul was writing to churches, encouraging the congregations to be a cohesive spiritual group. So Paul proceeds to the analogy of the church as the body of Christ, the representation of Christ to the world. I didn't read you that passage, but I just selected the summary, now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. Before that, he talks about the different um, parts of the body. And we all know that when disease causes some parts of the body to hurt or decay, that we as a person don't function as well because we are concentrating on that pain. The same goes for the church. And a common subject in Paul's letters is addressing discord in the churches. In Philippians, he urges Euodia and Syntyche to be of the same mind in the Lord, and he asks other members to help these women. Also, in 1 Corinthians, he says, It has been reported to me by Chloe's people that there are quarrels among you. I belong to Paul, I belong to Apollos, to Cephas, to Christ. Has Christ been divided? Was Paul crucified for you? But we also know that when the body's muscles are strong and coordinated, when the mind is full of knowledge and wisdom, when the heart is full of God's love and other parts are healthy and functioning together, the body can accomplish a lot. And so Paul continues his lesson and says, What then is Apollos? What is Paul? Servants 
through whom we believe. I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. We are God's servants working together. Paul repeatedly reminds us that there are different talents and different gifts, but together they make the church more complete. So instead of comparing and critiquing, we should be genuinely happy for each person's contributions. And so at the end of chapter 12, after reminding the church that they are the body of Christ, Paul presents another list with a mixture of roles and gifts. He says, and God has placed in the church first apostles, prophets, and teachers, then miracles, gifts of healing, helping, guidance, and different kinds of tongues. You might recall that the scripture passage started saying there are gifts, service, and working. The gifts aren't everything. And so in this gift toward the end of chapter 12, the roles of apostle, prophet, and teacher have been added. And in the list of gifts, Helping and guiding have been included because the church needs people who can serve, who notice what needs to be done and are willing to do them. Every time I come to worship early, the doors are already unlocked, the lights are on, communion is getting ready to go, the candles get lit. I came in twice this week and found people painting and wallpapering in the women's restroom There are servants all over in this church. The church also needs people with administrative gifts who are good at organizing and communicating and can seek new vision for the future. And so you can see the Spirit's gifts are many and varied. Another list in Romans chapter 12 includes the gifts of giving and compassion. And yet another list in Ephesians focuses on those functions like apostles, prophets, but here we get evangelists, pastors, and teachers. No matter what the gift, Paul says the purpose is to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until all come to the unity, the knowledge, and the maturity of faith. Now I think there's a reason why Paul has all these lists and they're not all the same. Because I don't think that Paul meant them to be a complete list of what the Spirit is going to be doing for us here on earth. But it's examples of what the Spirit was already doing for those early churches, and it was assurance that the Spirit would, Spirit would continue to be there to support and uplift the believer's and therefore the churches in the future. More importantly, Paul wants to make sure that people understand that all gifts are important and that we shouldn't long to have all of them or even necessarily for particular gifts except to strive for the greatest gift, love. Because it turns out that the scripture text from chapter 12 of 1 Corinthians is part of a three-chapter sequence. And Paul recognizes that the church is made up of people who must learn to work well together. And so 
chapter 12 is the lead-in to that famous chapter on love that's frequently used at weddings. And of course it's appropriate at weddings, but Paul was actually talking to the church, reminding the church that the greatest gift the Spirit gives us all is love. Not tongues, not prophecy, not healing, not miracles. Because as Paul says, prophecies, tongues, and knowledge will come to an end, but love never ends. God's kind of love comes from the giver and is not dependent on the goodness of the receiver. God's kind of love is patient and kind, not arrogant, irritable, or resentful. God's kind of love seeks the good of others, independent of their merit. Perhaps we understand that best from our point of view as parents. When our children misbehave, we try to teach them lessons in sharing and getting along and being polite and respectful. But no matter what, we still love them. And love is on yet another list, the one in today's passage from Galatians. And in fact, love is the first in the list of fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Maybe like me, you generally look at this list as traits that I need to work on in myself to make myself a better Christian, or as a checklist to know whether I've finally arrived. And yet maybe the message is that if we're having trouble with some of those, Maybe we should seek the Spirit more in our lives to gain those fruits. What would it mean for a church to be characterized by these qualities? Do others find love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control at First Christian? Today's scripture concludes, since we live by the Spirit... Let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking, and envying each other. I've been noticing in the paper recently that the West Lafayette track team has been doing quite well this season. They've been breaking a lot of old records. And one reason is due to the Johnson triplets. Evan runs boys track, Kristen and Lauren run girls' track. Now, Kristen and Lauren could be very competitive and envious when the other wins. But instead, they are good friends, and they encourage each other. I like the quote from Lauren in this April 24th article in the paper. We kind of worked things out, Lauren said, that we're just proud of each other. It doesn't matter how we finish. There's no sadness because I broke her record. She's happy for me, and it's just joy. So now, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us welcome whatever gifts we receive. And may you all experience the full wonder of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Fruit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self.
control. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Let us pray. O God of love, we come before you this day and we thank you for the gift of your spirit and for the many ways that your spirit empowers us and encourages us and gives us talents that we couldn't dare to have for ourselves. Lord, we ask that our lives might reflect the fruit of your spirit and that together as a church, we might also be a reflection of your love and your fruit and your gifts. We ask all these things in your Son's loving name. Amen.